All right, so I'm going to pick up where I left off in the last class. We're going to talk about 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is five chapters written from St. Paul's second missionary journey in Corinth. The theme is that he encourages new converts who are being persecuted by Jewish zealots. Watching for the coming of the Lord means living a good moral life and fulfilling one's daily tasks. He urges them to be faithful to persevere in prayer. The summary, he thanks God for the work of the Holy Spirit among them in promoting virtue. Faith is known already in Greece. Jews in this region rejected Paul and the gospel message, but a lot of the Gentiles accepted it. They are, pure, they are being persecuted by the Jews now. The theology of 1 Thessalonians is that he instructs them on accepting faith in Christ and baptism. Salvation has been brought by, Christ, by Jesus Christ, which needs to be accepted with humility. The main point of 1 Thessalonians is the eschatology, or the end of the world teaching. When Jesus would return in his glory to judge the living and the dead, Jesus will raise those who believe in him, and it focuses on faith, hope, and charity, which, as we all know, are the three theological virtues. Second Thessalonians is a little shorter. It's three chapters, and it's written a few months after the first letter. The theme is the parousia, or end of the world, has not yet come. We live in the time now until Jesus will return. No one knows when that will happen. But until then, we persevere with faith, hope, and charity, and good works toward our neighbor. So, a lot of the early Christians believed that our Lord was coming back very quickly after he rose from the dead. But since he has not returned, we are in the end times uh, because we're still waiting for him to return. The summary of Second Thessalonians is that he assures them of their persecution and that God will take care of them when he does return. He prays for them constantly. The day of the Lord will come, and he says to them, persevere in prayer, remain faithful, and do good works. The theology, again, focuses on eschatology, waiting for the second coming of Christ. He did not teach that the perusia is near, but hoped that it was near so he could be united with Christ. Paul talks about the importance of praying constantly, and we see this from the Eastern Church, or the Eastern side of the Catholic Church, where they pray the Jesus Prayer. And it's a prayer that you can say throughout the day, and, you, and essentially is that you're constantly praying. The Jesus, the Jesus prayer is, Oh my God, uh, uh, O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's something that's important to say. We, we can say that anywhere. Often at the church, when I'm locking up the buildings at night, when I walk around the building to make sure the doors are locked, this is the prayer that I say, and I probably say it 50 times in a matter of 10 minutes of just cleaning up and locking up the church. 1 Timothy, a letter that I would imagine a lot of Catholics are familiar with, is six chapters in length. 
It's known as a pastoral letter. It was written in Macedonia in northern Greece to Timothy, who is Paul's close associate. We've talked about Timothy a little bit already in the class. Timothy was in charge of the church at Ephesus. The theme focuses on pastoral care of the church, which includes teaching sound teaching coming from the apostles, guarding the deposit of faith, which is scripture and tradition, and protecting it against false teachers. It also focuses on governing the church with wisdom and charity and giving good example in word and deed to all. The summary is that the church, which is being overseen by Timothy, who's probably a bishop, has some false teachers teaching Greek mystery cult fables. This is also a form of Gnosticism. Timothy is told to refute them and to give them sound doctrine from the apostles. Discipline liturgically must be followed. Men are chosen to be bishops, deacons, and presbyters. And there's these ideas of practical norms, or you know, what, what, what should be done with the rites. I mean, it's something that we see all the time uh, here, even in the, in the modern church, is the, uh, the proper following of the rites and the norms that the church has laid out. The theology is very much pastoral theology, which is good governance, sound doctrine, and opposing false teachers. The truth must be taught, which is the word of God and the word of truth. Paul stresses that God the Father is our Savior through his Son Jesus, and he says explicitly that God desires salvation for all men. Through the Incarnation, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, Timothy is an important figure in the early church. We believe him to be very young, or younger than most of the people in the church of Ephesus. And we see the difference between life knowledge, or life, life experiences, and wisdom. You could be young and have great amounts of wisdom. We look at some of the great young saints, St. Dominic Savio, St. Maria Goretti. He, he was in his 20s, but blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. So these are younger saints, and this is probably what Timothy's probably in his, I would imagine, in his 20s at the time. And so we see great wisdom, but not a whole lot of life experiences. But Timothy is one of our great early uh, figures in the, in the early church and uh, a leader of the church in Ephesus. Second Timothy is four chapters. It's also a pastoral letter and it was written, to, written very close to Paul's death. Second Timothy is St. Paul's last will and testament. The theme is a powerful exhortation to Timothy to continue to teach sound doctrine and be faithful to the apostolic tradition. Oppose false teachers and refute their errors. Be a model of virtue, a strong preacher of the gospel, and urge the faithful to practice the gospel in their daily lives. Which is very much what we encourage the faithful to do today. The summary of 2 Timothy is, like I said just previously, that it's, it's, it's Paul's last will and testament. It's similar to his first letter. 
The one final exhortation that we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 is to stir up the grace of God that he has received through the laying on of Paul's hands. In other words, the grace of his ordination as a priest of Jesus Christ. The theology focuses on the brief summary of the gospel preached by Paul, some biographical info about Paul, how Paul fights the good fight, kept the faith, and suffered for Jesus. If you're familiar with those, and we hear them during Mass throughout the liturgical cycle, these all come from 2 Timothy. He talks about the laying on of hands as well, which is a symbol of priestly ordination. And this is still something that we see even in our own ordinations here. When you go to the ordinations in Phoenix, the bishop, Bishop Olmsted, lays his, lays a, you know, lays his hands upon the heads of the seminarians, uh, places his hands on their heads, and, uh, and then he ordains them. He has the authority to ordain them as bishop. The theology of 2 Timothy is also sound teaching and handing on the true faith. Preach the word and know the scriptures. St. Paul's letter to Titus is three chapters written in Macedonia to Titus at the time in charge of the church on the island of Crete as Paul's representative. It's also another pastoral letter. The theme is very similar to 1 Timothy, teach sound doctrine coming from the apostles, appoint worthy bishops and presbyters in each city. Presbyters is another word for priest. Give a good example in both word and deed, and again, refute false teachers. This is something the church has dealt with from the beginning, is false teachers. People that proclaim one thing and say something else. The summary is that Paul stresses the importance of teaching good sound doctrine. And Titus is to exhort the Christians to put the doctrine into practice in their daily lives. Root out error and immorality and promote orthodoxy in good works. Titus will be a good bishop if he does these things. The theology of Titus is that it focuses on moral and pastoral theology, similar to 1 Timothy. The stress here is on the rule of faith, which is sound instruction of the apostles. We also focus on suretology in here, which is God the Father as Savior and Jesus Christ as Savior. And there's mentions of the Holy Trinity. The last letter that Paul writes is to Philemon. There are no chapters in the letter to Philemon. It is a very short letter, only 25 verses, and it's also considered a pastoral letter written by St. Paul during his Roman imprisonment. The theme of Philemon focuses on that Paul pleads with Philemon, a master of the runaway slave Onesimus, Onesimus is a few ways of of saying that. To receive him back as a brother and not to punish him. It's a warm personal letter to one person to ask a favor. Philemon was a rich man who had his slave run away from him. The slave, Onesimus, or or also 
uh, that means useful, that name means useful, converts to Christianity. Paul begs Philemon to receive his slave kindly now as a brother in Christ. Philemon owes Paul this favor since he has received the supernatural life of the, of the soul through the ministry of Paul. In the theology of Philemon, again, the main points of Paul's gospel, he focuses on the dignity of the Christian, the lover of Christians for one another, and their union in the one body of Christ who is the head. Paul does not condemn slavery, but says that Philemon should set Onesimus free because he is his brother in Christ. Next week, we'll finish up with the Catholic letters, as well as go into the book of Revelation very briefly. Uh, I wish I had more time to focus on Revelation, but it's something I will maybe do for a future podcast uh, or a different class. Thank you.